Hey, this is Randy Robinson, and I'm the pastor of Everyday Church. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope this podcast encourages you, stretches your faith, and helps lead you into a growing relationship with Jesus. Let's do it. So anyways, um, you know, recently, as you know, we are in Tennessee, and thank you. I, I expected everybody to stand up and sing Rocky Top, and uh, for all y'all who don't know, Rocky Top is the song of the state of the United States of America. Should have put, they should have put the, the capital, or maybe they can relocate it uh, to Tennessee. But anyways, uh, we went up there to speak at a... Um, kind of like a, a preteen uh, junior high youth and uh, at a camp they were having and it, it was awesome and it was led by a good friend of mine who <clears throat> was kind of like he was you know my my guy one of my guys in Tennessee I, when I you know I'll talk to other I'll say the guys you know when we're talking about Tennessee and she knows that this young man his name's Colin that uh, that's one of my guys. So uh, he, he, I had, we had the honor, Heather and I had the honor of uh, him being on our, our kids team at the church. And uh, man, this, this guy just has tons and tons of potential. And it was great to go up there and see his potential being manifested. You know, uh, when we left to move here, he, he took over for me. And, and that, that was an honor to see. And about a year and a half, two years ago, he left that church, went to the biggest church in Sevier County, probably about 4,000 people there, uh, to start this ministry uh, for uh, the, the junior high. And so he did a camp, and uh, you know, I think they have like a, over 150 kids in their ministry, uh, just that, that junior high uh, you know, age group. And when we did camp, you know, he was part of our camp team. He, um, so to go up there and see him, you know, kind of replicating what he saw and leading in camp was incredible because his potential was just like coming out and, you know, it was like, felt like a, you know, a proud papa, you know, just watching him do his thing and how much he and his team loved the kids and how much the kids loved him and just to see him growing. Um, but I also had the honor of, Another young man who Heather and I, we, we watched him grow from, well, he has, wasn't ever real little because, uh, you know, he's, 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 he's a big boy. But, uh, you know, not anymore. He's getting in shape and he's looking better than I am. But anyways, uh, we saw potential in him from a very young age. And it was amazing. You know, uh, from the time he was in elementary, going through middle school, um, in high school, you know, he, you know, he was like starting to teach. Uh, he would uh, lead, uh, you know, some Sundays he would teach in kids church. And you just always saw a lot of potential in him. And his potential really started to come out. Um, I'm jokingly taking the credit because we had a character that we use in our kids church and um, kids camp. And sometimes in the, in the sanctuary, an adult service about a man named Coach Bobby. And uh, Cash actually had a real Coach Bobby when he was in early elementary. We named him Coach Bobby, this character, after Cash because they always did a lot of really crazy things in, in uh, gym, which he probably should have been fired for, uh, according to the stories that Cash would tell us. But anyways, just tons of potential. So I had the honor of seeing him speak. Uh, he, too, has, uh, has, has moved on from that church uh, to go help out in another church. And, you know, he's... Uh, we were on staff together, uh, but man, he's like all these opportunities, you know, he's, he's preaching, uh, you know, anywhere from one to two times a week, uh, just, you know, helping out at other churches and again, just seeing the potential grow in him. You know, I, I used to give him a, a hard time and, you know, when, when we would do stuff together, we'd have these van rides and we'd drive and you know, I'd get on to him about things. We would have conversations. We would have tasks around the church to do, and I'd make him do them, and uh, even the ones that, that he didn't want to do. But I would push him and say, you know, man, you got to do this. You know, hanging up decorations and signs. I'd make him do it. 
and he hated it. And uh, even if it took a couple hours, I was still staying on him. You know, so I figured, man, I'm just a jerk to this guy. But uh, he told me at the camp, you know, he, he thanked me for those van rides and for the times making him do things, including backing up a trailer and learning how to do that. And uh, he said, you know, help me develop spiritually and, you know, as a man, and, and I thank you. And again, I thought, you know, man, I just gave you a hard time and here you are thanking me. So anyways, while we're up there, I was praying about what to, what to speak on today. And, you know, I had a few ideas kind of go, going on in my mind, some things I wanted to speak about. I'm like, oh, this would be great. Started coming up with some other ideas. And then I watched the Sunday night when y'all had the meeting and Pastor Andy made the announcement. And there was a word that I heard that I had been thinking about. And Mr. Cliff, I want to thank you because he shared where he said, this, you know, he walked into that building and said, this church has potential. And I heard a few other people say potential. So started kind of thinking some more on it and started when we were flying back, um, started kind of, you know, putting all my thoughts into, into words. And um, ever since then, I've been really excited to share today because I think this is something that we all struggle with at some point or at least struggled with it at some point. And probably we've all still struggle. So I can't just say, you can't just say, ah, I think it was in the past. Um, but it's going to affect us. It's going to affect our church. It's going to affect the community. Ultimately, it can affect the world. So I want to talk today about potential. So let's pray. God, we thank you for this day today. Lord, we thank you, Lord God, for the wonderful time that we spent with you in worship. Lord, I pray that that'll be our daily, all-day attitude, Lord God, is worshiping you. We ask you, Lord, as we get into the Word today, that you would give us ears for hearing and a heart for understanding. Holy Spirit, speak to us. Lord, we know since the beginning the enemy has tried to create doubt. We've got to control us, to keep us away from you. So Lord, this is an area of doubt that we need to deal with. And we thank you that you've given us your word, Lord God, that we know is true. And we give you all praise and glory in the wonderful mighty name of Jesus. So I want to ask you a question. How many of you have ever been told you have potential? You know, maybe it was, you know, uh, a teacher, a professor, uh, an employer, a coach, a spouse, a friend, but probably everybody, even though everybody didn't raise their hand, so, so you know, we need to be honest during this <laughs> sermon. So I'm going to ask you, how many ever been told you've had potential? Okay, a few more hands. All right. Very good. Usually when you tell someone that, you're saying it because you believe it. Okay, I... I now, there's probably some situations where someone may tell someone else that they have potential, but they don't really see it. But I think for the most part, probably, you know, a very high percentage of the time when they say it, it's because they believe it. You know, you may see it for yourself and you may agree and say, you know what, I, I do have some potential. You know, like, you know, Max back there, you know, we know wonderful singing ability. He can play the keys. And, you know, he may see the drums and say, yeah, I, I, have, I have potential. And he steps in on a Sunday, Adrian is here, and he does it. Um, and, you know, you're probably still thankful, even though you know and you agree with what they're saying, you probably still appreciate the encouragement. But I'll, I want to tell you a little secret that sometimes someone else may see potential in you, even if you don't see it yourself. Um, you know, in fact, that's probably the case more often than not. Someone tells you something and you're like, I, I, I never saw that of myself. And um, I'll give you some examples. Okay, I've had employees, I've had students. Uh, Pastor Andy mentioned school starting back. Uh, Marion County staff, we go back Wednesday. Yeah, that's exactly what I think. <laughs> but I have, I've had employees and definitely students who... I saw potential in, but they didn't see it in themselves. And because they didn't see them themselves, they didn't act like they had potential. You know, uh, I don't call them this, and I want to look, make sure I don't have any students out there. But sometimes students do things, and you think, you know, knucklehead. 
is probably the, the nicest term sometimes that comes to mind. But really, a lot of times when students are acting out about, you know, yeah, there's some peer pressure, but other times they're bored in school and they don't see the potential in themselves. So I'll tell a student, you know, hey, you know what, I, I, I see some potential. It may not be the exact words, but, you know, here's a student, 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th grade, who's probably gone most of their life, you know, um, thinking that, you know, they're a failure, you know, thinking very little of themselves, being, being uh, very, very little confidence. And, um, you know, so, so they, it comes down to their behavior. So when I tell them that, um, they act a little surprised. You know, some of their other classes, they, uh, you know, they're, they're acting out, you know, they're uh, getting bad grades. But I have this talk about potential with them, and it shocks them. I mean, it, it really does. I mean, you think they'd be like, oh, okay, wow, thank you. But no, I mean, sometimes you just see, like, their entire expression just change. And they're just really surprised to hear that someone believes in them and sees something in them when no one else ever has or at least told them. You know, I believe that there's more good teachers than bad, but sometimes there are some who, even if they see it, may not say it. And I think that's, that's, a, that's a shame because it could be life-changing. I've seen this. Year after year after year, there's always somebody who is known to be a troublemaker or whatever it may be. And when you see and you tell them, hey, you know, you, know, you got some potential, man, you know, and you have that conversation about it, it just changes them. It, it really does. And, you know, they may struggle to sit still in another class or keep their mouth shut in another class. But because I took the time, I told them, you know what, I, I believe in you. It may not be my exact words. And... We have that talk, uh, they pay a little bit more attention. You know, plus, you know, they have the opportunity in my class to get up and move around and uh, use kitchen equipment and tools. And of course they get to cook and with cooking comes eating. <laughs> but they know if they don't, you know, do what they should or they, they're acting inappropriately, you know, they lose those privileges. Um, but for, it really, just talking to them, man, it, it changes them. You know, I, I see their grades in other classes, sit in meetings with the other teachers and hear how they're behaving. But again, a little conversation and showing someone that you believe in can change everything. And I know that probably really sounds repetitive because I've said it every time. But I want you to understand a conversation changes things. You know, someone saying, I believe in you changes things. Someone saying, I see the potential changes things. And uh, with that, you know, they, they, start to, they start to thrive. You know, I've seen students change when, you know, I ask them about the sport they play or, you know, I go to a game and, you know, uh, you, know, they, you know, they see me there. Then they're like, hey, chef, you coming to, you know, my game? And, you know, so they're looking forward to it. You know, they may or may not have a parent in the, in the stands, but they're, they see me and, and you know, they even had them wave at me at times. So. Um, so spending time with them, talking to them, maybe if they're not an athlete, finding out what games they like to play. You know, I, I also coach an eSports team at school. Uh, you know, just finding little things about their lives or if they tell me, oh yeah, work, this happened. You know, and, you know I'll try to remember then a few days later or a week later, I'll say, hey, tell me about this situation. How's that going? You know, and just spending time with them, you know, even standing on the opposite side of the prep table and holding on to the end of their knife to help them perfect their knife skills is enough for people to say, this guy is, he cares. And I'm not saying this to brag about myself, but I'm going to kind of make a comparison to the father. Okay, So I'm believing in them. I'm telling them. You know, I'm investing time with them. You know, I'm showing them that I care. And... Uh, you know, I, I, I see incredible change. And I think that in our lives, we all need a little bit of incredible change. I, you know, I know I do. And, you know, I, I welcome that, you know, that incredible change at all times. You know, there may be times where, I, you know, I don't want, I, I want change, but I want it on my terms. You know, uh, so, so anyways, you know, I, I I don't tell students 
that I do not see the potential for them to have a career in culinary, I don't tell them that I see potential in them. You know, it's a hard conversation, but sometimes you have to say, well, you know, this career may not be for you, but, you know, I see this, and, you know, I, I think, you know, you'd probably be great at exploring this opportunity. You know, because kids, they, they see, they turn on the Food Network and other shows, and they're like, oh, I'm going to be a celebrity chef, I'm going to do this, you know, but they, it's dedication, you know, it's extremely long hours, you know, one of them asked me, one of my students asked me a couple years ago, why are you working in a restaurant? And, and I kind of laughed. And I said, man, I've had enough 18 hour days. You know, I'm, you know, that's, that's, I got a family, you know, but sometimes you have that conversation of like, I know this is what you wanted, but there's something else out there for you. But you can learn things, you can apply things that you've learned in this class to whatever job you have, even if it doesn't involve food. So, um, you know, conversation is important. Talking is important. And, uh, you know, just being honest about them or to them. You know, I'm also, I feel like at school, I'm also pretty easygoing most of the time. Uh, but I'll also admit there's times where I, I do yell, you know. Um, I was joking around with Pastor Andy and, and was, was it you? I, I, saw, I was joking around with somebody today about yelling. And I said, I'm going to yell today. Uh, but, you know, there's sometimes when you know, I'm, I do get loud and, you know, and I'm not going to do it today, but you know, my most common phrase is, Hey, you know, Hey, you know, usually if you know, we're sitting in the classroom, they're getting loud and I'll be like, you know, I'll be like, Hey, you know, give them a couple of warnings. And finally I, I just lose my temper. I don't throw any pans out the, out the door, <laughs> but it just comes out. Hey, and then it's just silent. You know, or there's times in the kitchen where I, I have a bad habit. Heather has worked with me in a restaurant, and I've gotten better over the years, I, I promise. But it's almost embarrassing to say. I don't know if I should um, say it. I have a bad habit of clapping at people. You know, uh, I would like to say it's in support. But a lot of times it's like, hey, come on, come on. You know, we got time. I mean, because we're doing... We're doing lunches for our sports teams. We're doing teacher lunches, you know, and 99.9% .9 of the things we do in our classes from scratch. You know, they always ask me, you know, the, the you know, level one students, they get in there like, hey, um, can, can we do brownies? And like, we're do brownies, but we're not doing it out of the box. Or they're like, can we do Rice Krispie treats? You know, and all these things I'm like, you know, the, you know, you got this class wrong. You know, you know they, they, they end up learning some pretty high level stuff. But, you know, and I don't always clap, so, you know, don't go away, I'm a complete jerk. Uh, but my job is to teach them how to be employable, how to keep a job, and they're going to face that pressure in the real world because, you know, you're always up against the clock. You know, so whether it's yelling about finishing, bringing all the, you know, dishes together, whether it's, you know, yelling about getting the dishes done before the end of class period, um, you know, sometimes I am yelling, but because I've invested time in them, you know, and I've gotten to know them and I've given them direction and I've seen them, you know, try and again, but the biggest thing is just that time. You know, I feel like I can say whatever I need to say to them and they usually accept it even though they're being disciplined. You know, so for us, and I don't know, I don't know if you want to call this a point, but if you're taking notes, you write this down is that discipline is part of potential development. Okay, so as the, the potential that God has placed within all of us, because everybody in here has potential. So the potential that God has in us, it needs to be developed. You know, uh, I don't think Brent just picked up the guitar and could play. He probably had to develop it. Am I right? You know, you probably have a skill that you're really good at now, but you had to develop it. You know, Pastor Andy and his multi-talents here on the stage, I think you probably had to let it be developed and grow in it. You know, and part of that growth is discipline. And even though, you know, I, I said that I may scream and yell at times, but because I've shown the students love, you know, I can, I can still discipline them and it still develop them, 
It's the same thing with God. You know, he may not clap at us, may not yell at us, but sometimes he puts us in situations where it feels like, you know, we're in a, in a pressure cooker. You know, but, you know, he's way better than I am. But, you know, he helps us, he guides us, he teaches us, he encourages us, at times he disciplines us. But he also tells us about our potential. So we read in Jeremiah 29, 11, you hear a lot of people say this at times, oh, this is my favorite verse, and they quote it, and sometimes we can kind of make it, you know, I don't want to say cliche, but sometimes I feel like it's one of those verses where we hear, and we're like, oh, that sounds good, so it's my favorite verse. If it's your favorite verse, I don't mean any insult, but, I don't, but sometimes when we have a favorite verse, we don't go deep enough into it. We just hear it and we like it and it sounds good and we don't go deep. But Jeremiah 29, 11, I'm sure most of us have heard this before. But it says, for I have know the, know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare. Most translations will say prosper and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. So, it is a great verse, but there's something I want to focus on today as we talk about potential, because I think a lot of times when we're, we're struggling with potential, whether it's at home, on the job, if you're in school, there's an enemy called self-doubt. And self-doubt is just getting your mind off from God. You know, any type of doubt when it comes towards our Father is... Just like the oldest trick in the book. If you go back to Genesis and you read about the fall, what did, how did the enemy convince Eve to eat of the fruit? You know, it started with doubt because he said, did, did he really say, does he really mean that? Is that really going to happen? And it's, we know that it said that it looked good. I mean, most temptation does. That's why it's a temptation. You know, we know she took it. And then she ate it, that, and that's when it became sin. So, so doubt, self-doubt can get our eyes off from God. It can distract us. It can take us down a path where God doesn't intend. You know, you know we all have callings in here. It's not, not just one person or two or three people. Everybody in here has a calling of some sort. Okay? It may not be up here on a stage or in a classroom. It could be on a, a factory or any, some other type of job. But we let that self-doubt um, you know, distract us. But, but I want to take a look at, at that word give. And when you look this up, it's really interesting because there's you know, uh, several different words that come from the Hebrew word that, that, uh, that's used here for give. But I, I, want to, I want to touch on three real briefly, then talk a little bit longer about a fourth one. But give, so we see give you, you know, it means to add, apply, and appoint. Okay, so as God's designing us and He's creating us, you know, and He gives us or He adds to us the ability. You know, He adds to us potential. He applies, you know, everything we need. You know, He applies and appoints us to do something. But here's what I really want to focus on today. Okay, because doubt, and, and I'm going to share a couple of stories here in a moment. Some of you may have heard it before, and I was really trying to avoid telling it. But the more I started working on this, the more I felt like, because I know some people haven't, haven't you know, heard it before because they haven't been here, or you're probably sleeping. Um, but I do want to, want to share. But self-doubt, listen, um, you know, it's something that can really, you know, create scars, you know, a lot of pain, a lot of hurt. But forgive, you know, give you, it says to be healed. Okay, and I believe that that healing is also a healing from self-doubt, whether that's spoken to us by someone else or spoken directly to us from the enemy. Because, you know, I believe if anybody's sowing seeds of self-doubt to you, that it's the enemy maybe speaking through them or encouraging them to do it. You know, but I believe also the enemy will whisper in our ear like, you know, he can't really be a 
guitar player. You can't really be a fireman. You know, all these things that he wants us to think we cannot do because that's probably, and when you're hearing it, that you probably can't do it, it's probably because it has something to do with your calling. Because we all in here have a purpose for the kingdom. And again, like I said, may not be up on the stage, maybe in the back end things that people don't know about, but we all have a calling. So the enemy is going to try to say, eh, I don't think you can do it. Or you better not give that money. You know, but, but look, 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 uh, sorry, look what happens. You know, so anyways, be healed from self-doubt. Okay, so I've got another question for you. How many believe that God has plans of continued failure and other bad things for you? All right, hopefully nobody raises their hand. But we just read that he has plans for, for us to prosper, not for evil, to give us future and a hope. So if we, if we believe that God does not have plans of continued failure and other bad things, why we, do we not believe that, that God has, uh, believe the potential that God has placed within us? You know, if, if God has done it, why would he give us something that we wouldn't be able to achieve? You know, why would he give us something that we couldn't do? You know, uh, you know, even if you don't see it, even if your spouses don't see it, if your employer doesn't see it, God has a plan for each of us, and that far exceeds anything that we can imagine. But we face self-doubt. And, and I've struggled, you know, I've always tried to go throughout life and put up a, um, I don't know, uh, a, a, a tough face or, you know, I've tried to act like things that bother me. But really, I'll let you know another secret is that, you know, there's a lot of times I've really struggled with self-doubt. And, you know, I always wanted people to think that I was confident. You know, I had, you know, probably from sixth grade on had leadership responsibilities and sports and, and jobs and stuff. But, and I always wanted people to think, hey, that's a, that's a confident guy who can, can get the job done. But at the same time, I'm, you know, I was struggling. And, you know, growing up, you know, uh, you know, I just had so many people say, oh, you have a calling on your life. You know, and, and like I said earlier, it's like, you know, duh, everybody has a calling on their life. Um, but also, like I said earlier, it's not always to stand up here and teach or preach or however you want to phrase it. But I always have people saying that. But I knew through my teen years and even in my early 20s that I wasn't really living my life for Christ. And here comes the story of, that I've probably told before, and you're probably going, oh, here we go again. Uh, but when I was a child, I had a terrible speech impediment. And I couldn't say my R's, couldn't say my S's. There was a uh, couple other letters that I couldn't pronounce properly. You know, I called my sisters, you know, Susan, I have another sister named Sherry. I called them Larry and Louie. Uh, you know, I, I would get lost in a store. And if you're old enough, you probably remember the, the good old days when kids could just go to the toy aisle while their parents shopped. You know, and you go find a perfect toy, one that you would hope you could convince your parents to buy you. And you'd always see kids walking through the store, like holding the toy like this. I think that was like, we were trained to hold it like this. But really, we were holding it like this out of anticipation that our parents were going to say yes. And you'd walk down every aisle, like, you know, looking, you know, where's my parents? And uh, just hoping that they'd buy it. You know, you'd also know the kids whose parents said no, because then they'd be carrying the toy down here and have tears in their eyes. You know, but if you couldn't find your parents in those days... I don't, I don't, of course, there may not be a need because everybody has a cell phone, but if you couldn't find your parents that day, or they were probably hiding to get some peace and quiet, but you could go to the front of the store and they would page your parents. You know, you tell them your parents' name or tell them their name or your name, and they would page you. And for the ones that are too young, paging is just, they get on a microphone and they said, would the parents of, in my case, because my speech was so bad, you would hear, well, the parents of Davy McGiggle <laughs> come to the front of the store. It was like, come on, is, I don't even know if McGiggle's a real last name. I've never looked it up, but it sounds pretty ridiculous. Um, 
It was also pretty um, humiliating to say in front of my uh, sensei for the first time and tell him my name and, ha and have him, you know, he would then introduce himself and he'd say, it's nice to meet you, Davey McGiggle. And, you know, it's, it's kind of funny, I laugh about it now, but back then it was, it was devastating. I mean, that's, that's embarrassing to have someone not even be able to understand you saying your own name. You know, and, and even at times, you know, I still wonder if I say, and this probably sounds stupid, but this is how self-doubt works. There's still times when I wonder if I say 14 correctly. You know, and that's kind of weird, you know, just a number. But because of, you know, my early childhood, you know, I, I believe I got out of uh, speech therapy um, going to my third grade year. So all these years later, probably, you know, what? Somebody say 20? I wish it was longer. Or I wish that was true. But, it, you know, that's probably, you know, 35, 40 years ago. You know, still wonder if I say 14 correctly. You know, did I say it right? 14? All right. Well, there we go. Uh, but, you know, I really struggled with self-confidence, uh, doubted my potential ministry. You know, I thought I wasn't good enough. You know, I, I had done too many bad things. And, of course, that I wasn't a good speaker. But, yeah, I stepped into that anyways, and everything was perfect after that. Of course, that's a joke. Uh, you know, another story that I may have shared before, but when we first started out in ministry, it was in youth. And we kind of started out with crowd control, then we went on to running the sound and then doing games and then giving the offering. And finally, the big, came, big day came to do the first message. And I got up there very confident, thinking, man, this is probably going to be at least 30 minutes. It's going to change lives. People are going to cry out the altar. Five minutes later, message was over. <laughs> and I did the least logical thing at that moment, and I don't, still don't know to this day why, I said, does anybody have any questions? <laughs> that, was, that was a big mistake because my confidence was then completely crushed. Someone raised their hand, and I was like, here we go, revival starting. And I said, what is it? And she said, you know, you said, um, 62 times. <laughs> so I did what any youth pastor would do in that, that moment. I said, all right, guys, let's go play volleyball. <laughs> and as we were pushing the kids out of the door, I told Heather, I said, I'm never doing this again. You know, I don't want to talk to them. That's why I had them play volleyball. But I'm never publicly speaking ever again. But fortunately, God did not give up when I wanted to give up. You know, he didn't stop seeing the potential he had placed within me. You know, even when I didn't see it myself. He didn't say, well... This guy had all these issues. He has all these issues. He's messed up. That just erases all that potential. You know, he just kept me going. And I have to admit, there's times when, you know, doubt creeps in again. You know, the enemy starts saying, you know, those same old lies. You know, man, you're not even a good speaker. You know, you, know, you, you talk weird. You know, you're, you talk goofy. You know, or, you know, what have you even done in ministry? What have you accomplished? You know, over 25 years, you know, in ministry, I said, what, what good have you done? You know, and those are the times when I start doubting, God starts showing me faces of people that we've had the privilege of speaking in their lives and, you know, ministering to or, you know, training or mentoring or discipling, you know, and, you know, little, little uh, encouragements will pop up. Like we had a girl in that same youth group, and in fact, it was her, the girl who said, you said um 62 times. Uh, it was her best friend, you know, and uh, she had moved, you know, she grew up, she got married, moved to San Diego to lead worship. And, you know, we, you know, we'd follow her on social media, you know, just, you know, check in every now and then just because we knew her for so long. Well, then she got hired at Christ for the Nations in Dallas to uh, teach worship in uh, one of the courses on worship. And so I just sent her, you know, sent her a message. Hey, you know, so awesome to see, you know, uh, the, this new uh, opportunity for you, praying for you and your family in this move. And, you know, and I always thought this girl didn't even like me. And she, uh, she messaged me back and she just thanked me for, you know, being part of her life and speaking to her. 
And I mean, she just, she was surrounded by, you know, her dad was the pastor, so she was just surrounded by a bunch of awesome people. But, you know, but for her to take the time and thank me to say, you know, of all, all these people, I, you know, you were, you were also one of them, and, and I appreciate that. And, um, you know, and so you think, you know, you go, you know, again, you know, 20 years thinking you had no impact, and then someone saying, you know what, you, you had an impact on my life, and I appreciate that. So the enemy always will lie, but then God will show the, you know, hey, this is what's going on. Uh, you know, there's several situations like that because of time, I won't, I won't share all of them. But God's so good at just giving you reminders and comforting and giving you peace. Um, I do want to share this. I'm kind of skipping ahead a little bit. Okay, but again, enemy lies. He wants to stop your potential. I mean, we even saw with Christ, he tried to stop his potential with the, the three temptations. Could have been more, but reading about three of them. Uh, so we struggle with self-doubt because the enemy's lying to us. And we need to identify that that self-doubt is probably lies from the enemy. You know, now there are times when we may not be able to do something and we need to be honest with ourselves. Okay, well, maybe I'm not cut out to lead worship. I mean, I, I would love to be a worship leader, um, but Pastor Amy told me there's no way I can get on stage and sing. <laughs> but there's something we need to understand when it comes to the lies of the enemy. Okay, and, and if you're taking notes, you can write this down if you want. But the enemy tries to use self-doubt to prevent us from fulfilling our potential. And that's the very potential that God has placed within us. You know, but here's the here, here's thing why we fall for that lie sometimes is because we think we're doing it on our own. We think, okay, well, God wants me to do this. And there's a, ch there's a, a chance or a very good chance he does want you to do something. But we stop to think that God calls us and then shoves us out the door and say, go do it. But we see a good answer in Zechariah 4, 6. It says, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. It doesn't say by your ability, your charismatic character, your personal skills that you've developed yourself. It says, by my spirit. My spirit. Whose spirit? His spirit, God's spirit, the Holy Spirit. So if it's God's Spirit who dwells within us, everybody believe that? Yes. Then we don't even have to worry about having the right skills and ability. You know, because you know, you've probably heard um, you know, that, you know, the, the old saying that God doesn't call the qualified, but qualifies the called. You know, it's you know, one, one of those things you hear a lot, but it, but it is true. You know, so we do have to develop what he's put within us. You know, um, I, you know, I heard a rumor, I think Miss Perry could probably uh, confirm this, but Pastor Andy, before he could even walk and play like 15 songs on the keyboard, you know, and you got, you, I know that was a bad joke. Um, that's one of the things I've learned from Pastor Andy's bad jokes. Um, I never told any bad jokes until I met this guy. Uh, but no, I mean, again, I mentioned it earlier, there's skills you have to develop. So I don't want you to think that, you know, God's calling you to a country where you don't speak the language. And you're like, oh, I, I'll just go. You know, there'd be things that you do to prepare. But it's God's spirit. You know, so why are we doubting, you know, the potential that he has within us? You know, is, is God able to do all things? Yes. Hmm? Six people believe that. Everybody else is just falling asleep. But if God could do all things, or the Word tells us that nothing is impossible, I think we even sung about that today. So you're saying, if we're doubting, we're saying everything is possible, you know, everything is possible except for the potential that God's put in me. You know, because it's by His Spirit, we say God could do all things. You know, Jesus even said that greater things than these you will do. But we're doubting ourselves. And that, again, that's just going back because who we're listening to. You know, we have to choose. Are we going to listen to the truth? Or are we going to listen to the lies? You know, are we going to choose life? Or are we going to choose death? You know, we have, to, we have to choose 
the truth. You know, we don't, um, <laughs> we just cannot let the devil trespass. We cannot doubt the Spirit of God. We cannot doubt the power, the dynamic power that we we're promised in Acts 1 8. You know, we cannot deny that if God is for us, then no one can be against us. You know, because really, when it comes down to it, the only thing that could stop us from being obedient is the calling. The only thing that can keep us from fulfilling our calling is the lies of self doubt. All right, I'm going to tell one more story and then. Uh, Tie it all together, then we're closed. Uh, so back to the world of culinary. You know, usually each year, you know, I have like one or two, maybe three students who are just incredible. They're just like superstars. You know, they have a kind of a natural feel for cooking. Uh, you know, they get it when I say use all your senses to cook. They understand the math, the science, the molecular gastronomy that goes behind it. You know, they don't get frazzled at the clock or at me clapping at them. And they could definitely one day go on to run their own kitchen. And it would be easy to let these students carry everybody else. But when everybody knows how to operate as one, you know, things are so much easier. And probably the, the favorite word for most chefs besides mise en place and Mise en place is just when you see it like a cooking show and they have all those little dishes with everything prepared in it. You know, that's not just for the show. That's a real thing. You know, all your equipment, mise en place, everything in place. So everything's prepped, measured out before anything's mixed. And I tell the students that's a lot of work, but then once you get here, it's, that's, it's easy. You know, so probably the, the next favorite word is efficiency. Man, I love the word efficient. And one of the most legendary chefs, kind of the, the, the grandfather of modern cuisine, uh, is, uh, was a French chef by the name of Escoffier. And he developed what's called the brigade system. And all that is, that's like in a restaurant. Back in the kitchen, everybody has specific stations that they work at. Everybody knows what they're doing in that station. Everybody knows what the other stations are doing. And you, know, you can have 10 different things going on and it all comes together at the same time, or at least it should. And, uh, you know, it's just better organization and efficiency. Uh, that obviously leads to better service times, uh, you know, accuracy, uh, and, again, consistency. You know, however, if one station gets behind, that throws off and it affects the entire kitchen. And that affects the servers. That affects the guests. That affects the busters. That affects the dish room. And you're probably sitting there thinking, why am I learning culinary terms in history? But let's, uh, let's put everything in perspective here and, and tie it together. Um, even though that restaurants are broken up into the front of the house and the back of the house and the front of the house is always blaming on the back of the house. So if you're a server, you get what I'm saying. And you can tell which area I would work in. But in, then it's broken down those brigade systems or the stations they have to operate as one unit. You know, so the Bible tells us that we are one body, and you've probably heard this before. And it's, gonna, it's several uh, verses, so uh, bear with me. Believe it or not, we are almost done. Uh, Ephesians 4, 14 through 26, it says, For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, Because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. That would not, not make it any less part of the body. So if the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as He chose. Okay, remember, He chose. And he, or you could say, and He placed that potential within them to do what they needed to do as that part of the body. You know, it doesn't say that, but we can read between lines and see that's what it says. If we were all a single mem mem member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need for you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of, of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part it lacked, that there uh, may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. 
If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Okay, so one body, many body parts, but one body. You know, wherever the feet go, the rest will follow. You know, uh, you know it, it's, it's amazing when how your body works together, but then you have an injury and you realize, you know, you don't think, oh, I need, I need uh, you know, this muscle or, you know, this hip or whatever, but then you get an injury and man, you're like, wow. You know, uh, so our, our body, this body, the church, we need each other. You know, the, uh, the community, they need us. You know, and if we work together, we become one unit, it's going to be a lot easier. And then we also read, you know, and I know everybody has heard this before, that, you know, that he's given apostles, you know, the prophets, you know, the teachers, evangelists, and shepherds. You know, but what we, and everybody wants a title, one of those titles, but it's not everyone, it's not just those titles. You know, uh, you know, because you can kind of even break those down. You know, kind of, I, I uh, referred to the front of the house. That's what you see when you're, you know, dining somewhere, all the servers. You know, then I, you know, I could, then I could, we go to the back of the house and I could tell you all the different places back there and what they should do. You know, so it's kind of the same thing. You know, we have these, these five uh, ministries, that, but they all work together. And it tells us what it's to do, and it's to equip the saints. Okay, equip the saints for the building up of the body of Christ. Okay, so it's not just, hey, these five here should be the ones going out. I mean, yeah, we should, but it's not just these five. You know, because uh, really everybody in the church could fall into one of those categories even without the title. You know, uh, you know, evangelist, you know, you may not be traveling the world, but you're going, you're going to leave here today and you're going to go into the world. You know, and tomorrow probably go to work wherever it is you work. You know, you could be evangelist there. But for but the jobs of the people inside the church building is to equip everybody else to help to go out. Okay, and our church has a tremendous opportunity. You know, Pastor Andy mentioned earlier, thousands of people at the ball fields. You know, and uh, just incredible. I mean, you and we've said this a lot to each other that, man, you know, you always hear about this, but it's always somebody else. And here we are sitting in the middle of a miracle. You know, because, you know, he said from the beginning that it's either going to be here or there, but wherever it is, we need a miracle. And that's, that's what, what happened to us. You know, so we're in an incredible situation. And I know I've joked around about Pastor Andy a lot today, but man, when you look at him, the potential God has put in him, you know, to be able to play the keys, play the guitar, you know, to sing, to preach. You know, that's a lot. Uh, and, and I don't even think all your potential has even been realized yet. You know, I, I think it's just scratching the surface. You know, appreciate this man of God. You know, but, but God has called us into this incredible area. And, and, and he has all these skills, but he cannot do it on his own. Miss Katie, Pastor Katie has been blessed with all kinds of skills. But even together, they can't do it all. And they can try, but they're just going to get burnt out. Then the whole body will suffer. You know, so when, if we would realize, begin to pray and say, God, what is my potential as an individual? What is my potential as a church? You know, people think I don't have anything to offer. I can't do all the instruments. You know, I can't, you know, I can't sing. I can't, I can't teach. You know, what can serve? You know, I saw, you know, my dad was a great example of that. My mom, you know, she taught like her entire life, you know, like 50 years before she passed. You know, she started teaching uh, Sunday school when she was 12 years old. You know, she was a talker. My dad was a very quiet man. But he always supported what she did. But listen, this is, this is how he served. You know, not only did he clean the church, but I saw him multiple times either pick up our pastor's car or go to the church and he would wash it. But man, he loved shining up some wheels. You know, get him look nice and clean. He'd be so ashamed of my car if he looked at it, especially since it's not a Ford and he retired there. But anyways, you know, you think, I like to wash cars. What, 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 what does that do? Well, one, not only did it, you know, relieve the pastor of having to spend the time to do it, but also shows that he's appreciated. 
you know, that someone would take the time to clean their car. And I'm not saying, hey, wash their car because, I don't know, he may be picky about, about it, but if someone came up and offered it, he might let you. You know, serve them, serve each other. You know, you see uh, needs that people have, you know, help meet those needs. Even if you can't give financially, you know, go over and mow somebody's grass or serve each other. You know, all kinds of ways, again, that, that we can serve. Don't let self-doubt keep you from what you're called to do, from fulfilling the potential that God's placed in your life. You know, again, we need each other. The lost and hurting need you. You know, if it's hugging and loving on somebody, I know there's things people are going through. If you know that, just love on them. You know, it's, you know the, the ministry is not always standing up front and telling bad jokes. You know, sometimes that, that ministry, there's more ministry that takes place behind the scenes than what takes place up here on Sunday. So give somebody a hug. So as we, we start to close, you know, I want to I pray and I want to um, just ask the Lord what He has for us as a church, what He has for you. You know, to reveal to you what you can do as we transition. And we talk a lot about the transition, but we're not only thinking about the transition, but the future. You know, uh, it's exciting. And I, I, you know, I was up in Tennessee. I was, you know, looking up all kinds of stuff like, oh, it'd be cool to do this. And someone told me to relax and take some time off, but I did for a day. But man, it's fun and exciting, but we have a long road ahead of us. And it's not just one day, as he said, hopefully by December, you know, all the, you know, the, the painting and everything else will be done. But we have a long road of ministry you know, to reach the lost and the hurting. So let's pray. On behalf of Pastor Randy and the entire staff at Everyday Church, we'd like to thank you for joining us today. For more information on the church, please visit us at everydaychurch.xyz.